Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Our educational conditioning mostly teaches us how to be a really bad student. And how does it do that? It does that by making you learn stuff that is completely useless to you from a very early age so that you resent, consciously or not, the whole process and the people who are dragging you through it. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. In the last episode, I said your assignment was to identify your one thing. You may not have found it yet, and if that's the case, I have some good news. Because now, your one thing is to discover your one thing. And I'm not just being cute. That's what it is. Until you know what your one thing is, you should make your one thing to discover your one thing. Because this kind of self-inquiry may feel like an esoteric kind of extracurricular activity in the school of life, but I promise you that getting a little bit uncomfortable with these questions is the most valuable training that you can endeavor in, and it will save you from some very painful lessons down the road. Because if you're not focused on your one thing, life will force you to focus on your one thing. You may have already experienced that. You know, this is the point where I usually talk, uh, it starts, I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship, and yada, yada, yada. And I have to admit, I'm tired of the script, so I'm going to make something up now. What is clear and open? Well, clear and open, that, that, that question, what is clear and open, is a question that I'm constantly looking at and endeavoring to answer. My one thing is truth. I probably talk about that in one of these recordings. I'm pretty sure I do. And for me, Clear and Open is about the inquiry into truth and how we can depart our delusional ways, whatever those are, stories, self-images, images of other people, flawed principles, distorted uh, notions, how we can depart those things and get to the true heart of the matter. And it's my experience that most people cause themselves a whole lot of suffering by simply the inability or unwillingness to really look at the heart of the matter. Another way of saying this is you're never going to be able to solve a problem that's not actually the problem. You just go in circles. And that's how it looks to me. That's how the whole world looks to me for the most part. That people are trying to solve the wrong problems and then wondering why it's not leading anywhere. And that hurts. That hurts me. And it hurts the people involved. So this is the way I try to help that. Okay, so that's what I made up Clear and Open was about right now. If you have any interest uh, in what I just said or anything in these webcasts, please go to clearandopen.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's begin. What does fulfillment feel like, YL asks? I love you, Wael. You ask great questions. And part of me is like, damn it, that's a hard question. What does fulfillment feel like? It makes me want to look up the etymology of it because that's always a, often a good hint. 
But to me, the first word that comes to mind is wholeness. There's a wholeness to it. Happiness, it depends on how you define all these words, of course, but I like making a distinction between happiness, which I see as content-based. You know, I made some passion fruit sorbet last night, and for 15 minutes, that made me really happy. Right? That's content-based happy, happiness. Out of a bunch of uh, lilikoi is a wine, there's a lilikoi vine across the street, had two dozen of them, just added a little bit of honey, put it in my ice cream maker. Incredible. That's content-based happiness. Very stimulating. Yum. And what we're conditioned to do is to go from one content-based experience to the next. Okay. Finished my Lilikoi sorbet. What's next? What TV show? What adventure? What thing I can buy? And that's what we're sold happiness is. It's content-based. It's experience-based. As in based on the kind of experience you're having. Fulfillment is not about the experience you're having. It's about the experiencer that you are. That's context. It's that who and what you identify with at the level of experiencer is so whole, so complete, so filled with peace that you need nothing. That's to me fulfillment. It doesn't matter. You you could be hungry, living under a bridge, whatever. Your content-based experience, you could be eating crappy store-bought Safeway ice milk instead of really yummy homemade Lily Koi sorbet. And it doesn't matter because the experiencer is so complete and whole. And that wholeness, that fulfillment is directly related to living and connecting with your one thing because your one thing is you in one way. So, sort of let me step aside and look back at this. Is anybody feeling frustrated, cognitively dissonant, challenged, confused? overwhelmed by the work of having to find one's one thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's a challenging idea, right? Good. That's how you know you're doing it. So my job, and I'm going to talk more about this because the, this is a very contextual piece of, of this course, but where we're going to get to is the content of the course is really how to be coachable, how to be a student, how to learn. Because you'd think after doing whatever 18 years of education that we will we'll have learned how to be a student. Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, our conditioning, our educational conditioning mostly teaches us how to be a really bad student. And how does it do that? It does that by making you learn stuff that is completely useless to you from a very early age. So that you resent, consciously or not, the whole process and the people who are dragging you through it. That's our educational conditioning. And when I work with people, I am always having to deal with this. If you've taught people, you probably know what I'm talking about. 
because like I said, in one of the emails, um, a colleague of mine said, well, it takes people six months how to learn to be a client at least because the conditioning and it's completely understandable. The conditioning that our education gives us is here's this thing you have to do or else you'll get in trouble. In other words, we'll make you emotionally feel bad. That's great. And you may not realize it now, but by the time you're 12, 13, 14, you're going to start to see that you're never going to use any of this content, not most of it at all. So what's the compensation for that? What's a reasonable young adult do? The minimum to get by. The minimum to get by. That's what most people do. Or in the, usually the best cases, if it's easy for you or you somehow make it a game, you know, you do well because that's just who you are. That's what I did. I knew that none of it was going to be useful for me, but I saw it as kind of a game. So I graduated at the top of my high school class. It wasn't very hard. I just didn't do what most of everyone else was doing, which was the minimum to get by because it wasn't personally satisfying to me. And I had a self-image of you know looking good and you know, plenty of shadow reasons for that. Liked the attention of getting good grades and all that. But even if you did well in school, at worst, let me back up. At worst, if you did you know average to poor in school, which I think is actually more integrity than playing the game in some ways. So congratulations if that was you. Or if you dropped out, even better. Congratulations. You succumb to mediocrity and your authority projection was these people don't really care about me. Best case scenario usually is, well, this is a game. I'll play it and I'll win because I know it's in my best interest. But at the same time, I don't think these authorities actually care about me, get me, or actually helping me. Except as a means to some end. Well, if I get good grades and I can go to a, a good college, right? Because that's where the education that's going to be really useful is. Remember that? Remember that? You think, okay, high school, none of that education was really useful, but college, like that's really where I'm going to learn the important stuff. And then about like, for me, it was sort of middle of sophomore year. I was like, oh crap, it's happening again. This is just advanced uselessness, right? Unless you went to a trade school or business school. So until you have your one thing, Any teacher, manager, authority figure is going to look to you as one of these teachers. And you're going to learn from them the same way you learn from your ninth grade algebra teacher, kicking and screaming. But you won't consciously kick and scream. You won't look like you're kicking and screaming. Because you didn't kick and scream actually in the classroom, did you? Right? You don't do that. Every once in a while, somebody would say something like, but Mr. Johnson, when are we ever going to use this? And you'd get shamed and shut down and everybody would learn not to say that again. But everyone in the room knew. So it's this big performance, right? Because the teachers know you're not going to use that information. And the kids know you're not going to use it. So it becomes this kind of secret. 
And everybody agrees. The teachers keep teaching it because they have to, and the kids keep learning it because they have to. And what that does to your learning joie de vivre, your hunger for growth, evolution, expression of your one thing, it kills it. It kills it. And then the whole frame from your, for your life becomes, how do I get through this? How do I get home to that glass of wine or that Lilikoi sorbet? How do I get through this to get to that thing where I can actually have a moment for myself? Because you don't see it's actually all for you. Because you're disconnected from your one thing. It's all for you. Joseph? Yeah. Can you give us some examples of one thing, like family love or a glass of wine, but just more than truth? Give us some other ones. I was going to do that. Thanks for asking. And while I see your question, I'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons I was avoiding giving examples is because I, I, um, I don't want you to use them, right? Because it's not in the word, it's in the essence of of what that word, the word is just the packaging. I could write an entire book about what truth means to me. Truth may mean something really different to you. It would mean different to the other 7 billion people on the planet. So it's a really specific thing. So it's not in the word. But the kinds of words that you're looking for, I don't even really like that language. Love care, authenticity, integrity, truth, excellence. These are values. And values are some of the deepest aspects of ourselves. They're really, they're upstream of behavior. They're upstream of thinking. Happiness is one, although the way I define it, I would steer you away from it with the caveat of, you know, You can't really tell. It's a tricky thing, right? Because if you're in a position like mine, you can see where people's values are causing them problems, but people have to dance their dance all the way out. So if living from one sorbet to another is your one thing, you should try that. You should do that. Whatever it is, dance it all the way out. And this leads to an important metaphor I want to talk about today. The only way it doesn't matter what your one thing is, is if you take the one thing all the way. So you're wanting to dig a hundred foot hole here to find water for a well, not a hundred one foot wells. And in the information age that we're in, with the internet and the availability of huge amounts of wisdom and teachings and ideas, it's really easy to change the channel. Do you remember some of us are old enough to to remember before there were remote controls? I remember sitting in front of the TV with my hand on the remote, changing, you know, between the four or five channels that I had, click, 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 right? Or uh, similarly, remember when you would listen to a record album, like on vinyl? You couldn't skip the track. You have to get off the couch, walk over to the turntable, lift the cover up, carefully lift the needle up, move it, try to find the next space, drop it down. You wouldn't do that. You listen to the whole album. right? That's not the case anymore. It's changed the way people produce music. 
Because musicians have to think, Angel is nodding as a musician himself, musicians can't think in terms of like the album as a whole anymore. And it's very rare for people to produce really cohesive albums, you know, like The Wall or Dark Side of the Moon or concept albums for sure. I don't know who makes those anymore. 2112 by Rush. The albums don't have these cohesive kind of wholenesses anymore. Not as much. Because... The technology has changed. Well, so have people. So, you know, in the Renaissance, when you were eight, nine years old, I mean, at that time, probably only if you were a a male, um, because that's how it was, you're looking to see, you're walking through the village and being like, okay, what do I want to dedicate my life to? This guy's making wagon wheels. This guy's making swords. This person frames houses. And you would choose that. And you would spend 10 years longer dedicating yourself to that. And that would be all you did. That's pre-industrial revolution, right? Post-industrial revolution, now we're dividing work up into, oh, you don't have to create the whole sword. We're mass producing them now. They're not nearly as good as they used to be, but all you got to do is this one thing. Doesn't, not that one thing, this one thing. And it's really easy, and we can train you to do it in 20 minutes, and now we can produce a million swords, which none of them are as good as even one of the pre-industrial ones. And that's our society now. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you, because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.